Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life. Different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collywobbles just thinking about it. Today we're going to be reading in chapter 24 of Exodus. And without any further ado, I think we're just going to dive right into this one. Chapter 24 in Exodus, verse 1. Here we go. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. I love these names. And 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. I mean, it seems like God is really emphasizing this whole everybody keep back. We just went through several chapters of God, how can I put this, pushing everyone back except a select few. It's usually like, like up to this point, like right now, God is saying, okay, Moses, the elders, and so forth, you guys can come in and approach the mountain. Another, at least if I'm reading this right, or if Tom's reading it right, and I'm listening right, uh, it sounds like they're God saying, okay, you guys can cross the barrier to the mountain, but the only one that can go up is Moses. Am I reading that correct? Yep. Or am I what, listening to that correct? Yep. That's what so you said. So why is God, I guess... Why is God putting up these boundaries of approaching to him? Wouldn't he want them to approach and to get close to him? Or Maybe it's a little more about um, obedience. Because Aaron has already been in the presence of the Lord, too. Like he, He's been uh, right there with, with Moses. So there's no reason why Aaron couldn't go. There's no, no a safety reason because he's already been in the presence. But uh, I believe it's just... You know, like they said here, what everything that the Lord said, we will do. It's just following and, and being obedient. Right. Well, and there's the um, the picture that is kind of painting that they they can't go into His presence yet because they're still unatoned for, right? Like they're still kind of dirty and imperfect, and they can't enter the presence of the Lord yet. So is this implying then that Moses has? something i mean we obviously know moses has something special going on here so is he in some to some degree i guess cleansed i would say so because of how much time he's been with god he is the messenger and i think it's uh it's pretty interesting that uh you know going into this moses said he couldn't do it and couldn't talk for god and now he's doing a lot of it <laughs> <laughs> uh, now he's doing a lot of it there's a uh 
story about ten monkeys in a in a, a cage and a ladder and a and a set of bananas and you know how the original monkeys these these ones they are uh, sprayed with a hose if they aren't um, doing it correctly you know and yeah. then when they get that understood you know then they start swapping them out one at a time until there's none left but all the monkeys attack the ones that aren't doing it right. Yeah, yeah, I've, so I've heard I've, of this experiment. Yeah, so I I feel that this is like the very you know, like the setup. Like this is the original ones. These are the ones that are going to start, you know, being God's prophets, being God's um, holy people going forward. And so he's setting that precedence right now. Seventy of the elders went up. The number seventy always is throughout the whole Bible. It's very representative of you know completion and like the fullness of. So they're saying seventy of the elders went with them. So that would have been like. The even though obviously everyone, but they represented the fullness of Israel by them going with them, going. So it's like some were chosen, but they're representing everybody. So starting back off with four, Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent the young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took, <clears throat> then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, "We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey." It, did did you know? Those who have been to Mount Sinai and actually been allowed to walk at the base of the mountain, it's very fascinating. They actually found these pillars, these specific 12 pillars, because, and they know that it's very specific because these are mar actual marble pillars. Out there, there's not marble, white marble like they have. They actually brought these stones from elsewhere, stacked them up, as, as a monument, they show these basically corral-built, built-out-of-rock corrals because it just said, you just read, um, uh, then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Now, we look at that and we say, oh, yeah, okay, so some offerings were done. No, like if you do the math, there were hundreds of offerings done. <laughs> This isn't two or three bulls being sacrificed before the Lord. This was a lot of bulls to 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 this initial cleansing that was supposed to take place so people can understand what God was calling them to. Anyway, when when you look at the base of this mountain, there are there's a literal corral where you can see where they were at and the old, the, the original first altar that they built there because um, obviously they they ended they inevitably end up building in a subsequent chapters we find out they build a temple and you know they make a real altar it's it's just it's fascinating i would highly recommend anybody to look that kind of stuff up uh it's called antonio what's the name of that mountain it's uh jabba Allahs. jabba Allahs. it's that's how it's spelled whether it's pronounced that right way. it's like abba Allahs or something like that but right isn't it in um, um saudi arabia it is in saudi arabia <laughs> When it's talking about the Book of the Covenant, is that the book that Moses wrote? Or is that the Ten Commandments? I've always thought the Book of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments, correct? 
Um, I'm pretty sure it includes everything. Not just the Ten Commandments, but I think it's all the other kind of laws and ordinances and stuff that he lays out after that. Okay. I could be wrong, but I know, at least in Deuteronomy, it seems like they talk about the Book of the Covenant again. And it's like Deuteronomy is kind of a recap of all of the laws and words that God gives. And at the very end, write all of these down in a book and keep it. So there's what's written on the stone, which is like the 10 words or commandments. And then in the book, I think it's just all of the things. Right. Because I, I know the 10 commandments is what God wrote every time God wrote that. And then the book of Moses is what Moses wrote. So that, that does make a lot more sense. If the book of the covenant is just like the all encompassing, this is everything that we've talked about thus far type of thing. Right. And so it's like when he gives the, the 10 commandments the first time you know he's like all right send the rest of israel away but moses you stay and i'm going to tell you everything else that i want you to tell them that i'm teaching you to share with them so i think that it includes the everything else right there's the constitution <laughs> there's the bill of rights and then there's right. uh, the statutes <laughs> right right but even like building the altar and the whole sacrifice like that's not something that god said in moses build me an altar and sacrifice this many of this specific animals and do it this way. So it's, it was common practice, that whole, you know, Middle Eastern region to, to make covenants this way, you know, so even just where they would, they would build the altar to their God, they would sacrifice the animals. And then it was always the firstborn in the family, the firstborn male that would, do the sacrifices and they would cut the, there was like the whole thing of I don't know if you guys have know this but like cutting the animal in half and walking yeah. between the animal when we went when we were in Genesis that was a common thing even between people like if Tom and I made a pre, uh, a contract we call it today if Tom and I made a contract together that's something that we would do split the animal in half and you know that would that's where the covenant would would take place yeah right so all of that is, you know, kind of what's happening, but it's not like God told them, you know, do it this way. That's just how it was. And, and you can assume that when it says, you know, the, the young, it was the young man that men that went and did it, you know, that was probably the firstborn. Cause that's what, that's how it was everywhere. And all the cultures it was always the firstborn man was like the priest of the family. And we see later um, when the Levites become the priests, there are some issues with like the firstborn being kind of grumpy about losing that privilege, you know, because they were always the priests. So then it kind of gets taken from them and it's like the Levites job for a while. Right. <clears throat> that um, God did actually uh, tell them to do it that way uh, uh, through a dream. Um, it was a Ab Abraham. Or yeah. That's that covenant that I was talking yeah, about because Abraham, that, that, that said, that's what God approached. Split Abraham everything with. in half, meet each other halfway through. But that right. was also a common thing. In like what Susanna is saying, historically speaking, it was also a very common thing, just between people. You know, it was it was a common thing, and I agree with you though that was the that was the dream because it was like a dove and an ox and a sheep and a two doves actually I think is what it was split in half or something like that. Yeah, right. So they had a lot of precedent for doing it this way, you know. But so and so like that's what they're doing. You know, they're making that covenant agreement by. By saying, you know, we'll do this, and then they do the sacrifice, and even the setting up of the of the altar and the columns might have something to do with that. I've heard about they're always needing to be like a a threshold. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of like this. A, the whole the threshold monument, covenant, yeah. right? So it's like I feel like even them building those those um, 
columns was them kind of creating that threshold, like in between them and God's house. Like, um, I think I talked about this a little bit with Passover, because anytime, like usually in like a city, if they were to go do this covenant, they would go to the gateway of the city because yeah. that's where like the threshold was to enter right, into the right. city. So you would do it there. And um, with, you know, the Passover, the slaying of the lamb and putting that on the, the doorpost, that's the threshold of your house, right? So it's like you're doing the covenant there, you know, kind of the same way. So I bet with the pillars, they were building their own threshold. A question I have is, uh, this is a this is a gore fest. Like this is a ton of blood, but right. half of, half of it is getting splattered. The other half is held in bowls. Why are they being held in bowls? Held in bowls? Yeah. What do you mean? What what verse? Eight. Uh, six. Moses took half the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Well, I think that's because verse eight it says, and Moses took the blood sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you accused um, according to all these words. I think that's why one half was supposed to be sprinkled on the people. That's a lot of people. And then the other half was like you said, onto the altar. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think that would be that, that splitting that bifurcation that we found in Abraham, like you just brought up where they, he split the animals in half and they would walk down the middle Half the blood is going here. Half the blood they saved went over here. This whole story here of like what they're doing, it's really a picture of what's going to happen at the end of times. Because we see first he takes the fullness of Israel and he brings them to the mountain. And then he says, well, you know, they can't they can't enter in to see him yet to join into this covenant. But first they have to be cleansed and purified by the blood, the atoning blood, right? So we see later that when Jesus returns and there's going to be this marriage feast and you're going to see this this new, you know, promised covenant fully fulfilled. You know, you were unclean. You couldn't enter into God's presence, but you needed a high priest, which was kind of Moses and Aaron at the time. You know, you needed a, a mediator. So here you have Aaron and Moses who are these mediators and you have all the people and then later we have Jesus who's our high priest and mediator who's going to be the one who's going to bring us across the border right across those stones and then we can enter into God's presence Uh, I guess we haven't gotten to that part yet but that's when then they dine and they have the feast you know they eat everything and you (laughs) and that's the marriage feast because you've said yes I'll do it and you join in so it's like this is kind of that that story summed up earlier, kind of telling them what's going to happen before Jesus even comes and tells them what's going to happen. Right. Well, I mean, is and we've talked about this before. We brought this up in the past about how Israel and the entire experience of Israel was meant to be that parallel between lost humanity and Christ, the the redemption that Christ has. Like that's that that parallel. Every every time, everything we see all the way from. When they were going through the water, Jesus said it was supposed to be like the baptism and da, 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 you know, and, and it just goes through all these parallels. And especially in the New Testament, or I'm sorry, especially in the post-Christ ascension, uh, they talk about these parallels a lot. Sorry. They mean to get, toss out some $20 words there. <laughs> so, okay, so quick question. We're talking about blood being sprinkled on the people. Is it all the people? Or is it like just the elders? Because up to this point, isn't it the elders at the base of the mountain? I'm gonna I'm gonna read verse nine and I'm gonna tell you what I think. I'm gonna put what we've all talked about and then put it into this context. Moses and Aaron, this is verse nine. Moses and Aaron 
uh, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. So, this is the picture that this is painting for me. So, on one side, they, they put the, the blood on the pillars, sprinkled it there. On the other side, they put the blood on the people. And then the elders walked up through, through, the... through it and up the mountain. Because God's on one side, the people are on the other side. This is the division making this, this covenant go in between. Is, you know, for symbolism, what I'm picturing in my right. head, no, that's no, what no. happened. I like that. It's interesting that it says sapphire stone. Mine says sapphire stone. What does yours say? Lapis. Lapis lazuli. Right, which both of those stones are what color? Blue. Blue. Okay, side note. In Scripture, God God is an organized God, so he likes using patterns and very distinct ways he teaches and so forth. So he has numbers in Scripture. Many of us, can you guys list some of the numbers he uses over and over, over and over and over and over again? Three. Three. Seven. Seven. Twelve, obviously. The twelve yeah, so we're talking about twelve tribes, forty, ten, you know, like he uses these specific numbers. He also, believe it or not, uses colors. Blue, does anybody know what blue represents in scripture? Symbolically. I have to get my notes out. <laughs> yeah, that, I that's would okay. Guess probably either the commandments or obedience. You've got that, yeah. So, Because later on, we're going to find out that the priests have blue in a very specific spot, and then they have gold in a very specific spot, and it means something. So I find it interesting that God himself is on the color of the law. And when I say the law, I do not mean what Moses wrote and all that. I mean what God, what God set in place with the Ten Commandments. God himself is stand like his own his own foundation or throne that he is standing or sitting on or there on is not mind you it says under his feet so I'm assuming he's standing I mean I guess he could be sitting your throne your throne yeah I guess if it was under your seat and you were sitting in your throne I don't know I don't know but God is on this foundation or whatever that God is on is the same color as the symbolic law and there have been some people, mind you, I don't get super dogmatic about it, but there are some people who say that the first tablets that God gave Moses, because actually God gave Moses the tablets and wrote on the tablets, the first ones. And some people say that they were actually made out of black, blue sapphire stone itself. And God wrote it out, and then obviously he smashed it and got all ticked off and stuff. Do you think that it was happenstance, or do you think that because it was written by Moses that everybody just fell in the line. What do you mean? You know, you said the color is used for this. Do you think that because Moses brought it up, Mo- Moses wrote here in, in the Exodus that it was blue, that everybody was like, that's the, that's the color we're going to use. You know, this will be used in, well, in, in remembrance and in resemblance and in symbology of this moment, this reckoning, and the, this, this uh, event. I would say yes and no, because later on, God himself is the one that says, okay, you, you high priests and you priests, you're going to, you're going to have blue tassels on your thing and it's going to look like this. And so God actually seems to be the one who's pushing those colors almost, or, or setting those colors up as the designated uh, structure, I guess, of the temple. Once, well, I mean, obviously we're, we're a chapter or two out from that, but we start finding a lot more colors in the temple, but that's a good question though. And well, later we see um, 
in numbers when Israel keeps screwing up. And there's one experience where they screw up really badly, I guess, and they commit idolatry. And God's like, Moses, you need to tell them to make for themselves tassels to put on the four corners of their garb to remind them you know, to not be going after other gods and to not be, you know, little adulteresses going after other gods uh, and instead to to keep their heart pure and follow only after him and to obey him. So, and he tells them the only really instruction for how to make these tassels is to have a cord of blue or actually some like translations say what yours does, Tom, like lapis azuzi colored, you know. <laughs> whatever that word is. <laughs> lazuli. Um, yeah. So they say, you know, it needs to have a cord of that color going through it. And that's supposed to remind you you're betrothed to God and that you're supposed to honor him always. And you, you put it in a perimeter around you to protect yourself and remind yourself, you know, that I need, ah, no, don't do that. You know, don't follow after other gods or the de- desires of your own heart and instead seek only him. So it's like, why blue? <laughs> Probably. is so, like, because if the stones, you know, if it was written on blue, that makes so much sense. Like, keep the commandments, guys. Like, it's blue because the commandments are blue. It would it would have been that <laughs> reminder, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Before I read further, I want I want to like recap for these these people that are now walking up on this blue sky pavement. A few times now, they said you can come close, but you can't come see. Yeah, several times. Actually. Again, yeah. you can come close, but you can't come see. And so now they're walking and approaching. There's got to be some anticipation, some like wonderment of, okay, where is the border going to be? What's the line? Because they've like, okay, they've come, they've they've done the sacrifices, they've come and 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 owes over and over again to the base of this mountain. So now we're here and we're walking with Moses and Aaron and. Uh, Nadab and Abihu, what's going to happen next? So, like, they're just walking through in faith right now. And verse 11, they've walked through there, but God did not raise his hand against these leaders of, of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate and drank. I think that that should have been, like, more emphasis. Like, did they, did they, they break saw through God. Or did God, like, <laughs> provide it? Well, I think that... Hey, welcome. Um, we catered. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> help yourself. Eat your full. Culver's just brought this really good food over here. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it, this is like half the verse where it says, "Oh yeah, they saw God," and then like my at least mine says, "And they ate and drank." Continuing on to verse twelve, like, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. What, right. what is what is God served for a meal? Like, or they he... saw God. <laughs> You know, it's like they saw God, comma, going on. Like, that's right. just like, they saw God, boom. Like, that would have been it. Like, Could that not be a book in and of itself right, right. there? Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, it seems like like Moses is really underwhelming this. I, why? I, okay, maybe I should ask that. Why is he underwhelming this? It, it feels like a Forrest Gump story. We went up and we saw God again, you know, because he's done it over and over again. It's not really important to him. He's just saying they got to see God too. All right. Then we ate and then continue on with the story. Because remember, Moses is the author here. It's not like if if any of these other leaders of the Israelites, that would have been the capstone. That would have been like their, I saw God. Boom. The end. I just followed the rest of his word from, from there on out. Do you guys think they walked down from the mountain like, 
just like walk down with like complete deer in the headlights look with like glazed over uh rule one of mountain club is you do not talk about mountain club (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know and i can't i can't imagine what they would have seen i mean also because like later it says that no one has seen god this is where i'm always confused where it's like sometimes well, it's I think like, oh. this is I think this would have been another Christophany personally. This this is just my opinion, and I'm just speculating because of that verse exactly. It, the scripture actually says no man has seen God and yet lived. That means that like human beings with our our sin and our na- you know our sinful nature, we cannot go into the presence of God the Father. But if this in in fact was only a glorified and I say only, quote-unquote only, a glorified Christophany. For those of you who don't know what Christophany means, it just means um, a, a Christ before he was born as a, as, a, as a baby human being. So this would be a pre-New Testament seeing of Jesus, I guess. But you, you, I think they've got to be in their heads a little bit to understand that there has to be a little more oomph. Like, if they climbed a mountain and saw it was just an old man on a mountain, they would have been like, Really? Well, that's why I said like a glorified Jesus. You know what I mean? He would have been in his righteous, fully glorified body. He was not human right now. Like he's just God. He's not even God incarnate yet. (laughs) I wonder like what that would look. I mean, to me, it's like, okay, if they saw an actual human form, you know, ish thing, then when they went down to the mountain, why wouldn't they have made a golden male human form? You know, like they made a calf. Like, where did that come from? I suspect it was, it was, I suspect it was like, like, you know how Moses said, God, I would, I want to know. And I don't even think we've been to this part yet. God, I want to know who you are. I want to know what you are. And God put his hand over him. And I'll, he said, I'm only going to let you see my back parts as I walk away because God's presence his I think that was God himself because God specifically like protected him from it. But in this case, it was just like, there's just like God, you know, I, I don't know. And this is the weird thing because God in the Old Testament is such a like just vague phrase because it switches between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit so frequently. I mean, you got you can dig into the text and find out who it is. I don't. I'm just suspecting it was probably the the glorified Jesus. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you guys ever heard the expression "Last night I saw God" after like. Either some kind of event happened, whether it was tragic or or miraculous or some sort. It, like I don't know. I was I was walking into this scenario where people were lying and blood was everywhere, and I swear I saw God that day put His hands on people. And <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it's kind of like an expression here. Maybe they were like in the presence of God, and uh, they saw his glory or some sort or or they saw what they needed to see like that's, yeah. a, that's a good that, like well, I, I mean, found god last night you know with both like you that. guys going off of what both you guys said like seeing what they should that, that what they needed to see and god's presence maybe that's all it was was god's presence not god himself because it also says somewhere else you know that god is invisible but that we can see him like there's you know psalms where he's where david is is talking about seeing him in the animals eating the grass and the the rain falling on the like i wonder if up there in the mountain where god is dwelling if it was kind of like this perfect eden place you know where the lion was laying down with the lamb and and everyone was was so in love with him and so like it was it was almost like 
like what it was like wow like we saw god and we experienced god because we could see his him working in that whole area you know like what if it was something like that what if it was all three of those things together because i think maybe moses forgive me but dumbed down this last a section of the last verse that we just read because he didn't want people to have idols do you know what I mean? Because we, we got to think about this. This wasn't written, believe it or not, this part was not written for us. This was written for Egypt originally. I'm sorry, uh, Israel originally. It was written for the children of Israel. They were the ones who were supposed to go, oh, hey, everybody turn to Exodus and we're going to read about, you know, you know, like that's what it was for. It was supposed to be a history of what God did for them. Now, mind you, obviously it's it's progressed and God has used it in many ways, but I'm just saying if they were reading it and they like described what God was like and, and described all of this in, in perfect detail, would they not be prone to make idols? I'll continue on here. Um, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. I will give you tablets of stone with the law and the commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. <laughs> I'm leaving Aaron in charge. <laughs> Why would they be fighting? Well, it's, I don't think it would be that they would be fighting. It would just be if there's any disputes. Because remember, they're the elders of Israel. They're supposed to take up any issues that happen. Right, but it didn't say, well, maybe it's like uh, understood that they went back down the mountain or, or, and are with the people. Or if it's just the elders, like, all right, you elders stay here, you 70 people and you three stay here. And if there's any disputes, you know, at that point, everyone's done eating, they've celebrated, they saw God. They should just be like, in awe right now like why would there right. be a dispute <laughs> well mine doesn't say dispute mine says difficulty so maybe it's just dispute means not fighting dispute but you know what i mean like a dispute like oh man i, I lost my sheep and i think it went to this guy's herd and the guy's like no i have 25 sheep and i you know what i mean like that kind of thing or a uh like like if they saw what they needed to see like they start talking about the meeting or what they saw oh or... man i could only imagine that conversation <laughs> the thousands of conversations that would spring up from that. Right. And then they're like, all right, if you have any questions, go Just talk to, to these guys. Go to, go, go to, to um, Aaron and her. Um, verse 15. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. Uh, verse 12. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So I think everybody heard it, and then they saw Moses go into what looked like a fire. Okay, so Mo Moses went up to the mountain. So he started going up the mountain partially, it looks like, and then he stopped and like camped out for a week. Oh, yep. and then God finally called him on that last day. Yep. Uh-oh. Moses went on. 
went went up there for 40 days and 40 nights. So the next couple chapters, I believe, is God giving Moses instructions. And then Moses comes down the mountain. Is this the, is this the 40 days? turns from God and all that stuff. So the next several chapters is what's happening during yeah. that time. That would be completely reminiscent of my mom just laid me down in my crib and she's gone forever. What's going on? You know, 40 days. She's gone for a month, a little over a month and a half, or right around a month and a half. So they're like, he's he he walked into a fire. We're doomed. We're done. You know? Well, well okay. So and now that we've just talked about them being in the presence of God, I could see why the the feeling that God consumed him and it's all over with came from. Do you know what I mean? Because I think later later on, um, we get into some of the detail of when Moses comes down the mountain and what happens because Israel basically turns away from God at that point. But it has been, like you said, 40 days. But imagine those 70 elders that saw God, went through all that stuff and goes, wow, you know, just like you said, like... <laughs> If they were in awe of his presence and just baffled and, you know, just completely just out of their element here, literally out of their element here. And now all of a sudden it'd be very easy, I think, for the rumors and for the, you know, the temptation to be like, oh, God, kill them. And you know, we're never going to have a leader again. We'd better make a God. And- or maybe it's not even like a, uh, they killed him. Maybe it was like a finality, like Moses did his work. He was called to be with God. You know, now the natural progression is for someone to take charge and lead us from here. And who would that be? You know, and, and then just let one thing to another. And, you know, yeah. Okay. Like, I can see that. They didn't think there was an end then. It was okay. Moses' story is done. Now we're just going to go forward with the elders and the teachings that we have. But I don't know, though. They couldn't have been going with the teachings because they break all the teachings. You know what I mean? Like, do you know what I'm saying? When he comes back down the mountain and, you know, Aaron's like, oh, there's revelry happening in the camp. And it's not revelry. It's partying and actually is revelry partying. It's partying it, it, revelry. Yeah, yeah, it is. My the version revel. says revelry. <laughs> what was that? The revel. To rebel. They were rebelling against No, no, re- rebel. 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 Revel. The Victor. Victor. They were having a, a rave at the bottom of the mountain. Hey, the parents are gone. It's all a party. <laughs> yeah, because in, in chapter 32, it talks about the gold calf. So they, like, completely turn against God. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, I think the 70 elders, once again, I think this just may be my opinion. I think some of the 70 elders said something that kind of could have triggered some of the fire here that, that yeah, it was probably the they did that eat drinking. It sounded like a party to me. It sounded like a feast. In what was it, twelve, verse twelve? No, it was chapter thirty-two. Like this is uh, everything. No, no, I'm talking about oh Exodus twenty-four. You said that something might have kick-started the fire. Yeah, they, they well, kick-started well, the, the fire to these people they to rebel. Ate, right? They they saw God and they ate and drank. Right. Well, they probably said something to along that lines, and people were like, oh, drink, feast? Yeah, that, that, that's party up. Yeah, that's a partier. Let's do it. That's a partier. Let's do it. <laughs> and then they came up with the excuse, well, Moses must be dead, so we're going to have to, you know, fend for ourselves and 
keep this party going. I was going to say, right. party continues till <laughs> Moses comes back. Yeah, we saw God, and if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for me. Oh, man. I still, I wonder, what, what did he have at the table? Does God believe in tables? <laughs> They're like, no more manna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You will sit at my table. Well, hey, hey, hey. They don't know they're going to be sitting there eating manna for the next 40 yeah, years yet. yet. Yeah, they've only been in the wilderness for like a few weeks. Like, eh, they're fine. Yeah, they still got their calves. They still got, you know. Yeah. They're, they're up there running around like uh, Robin Williams from Jumanji. No more banana leaves. <laughs> <laughs> no more banana leaves. All right, so I don't know. This is leading into, because the next several chapters really leads into some so I don't want to say heavy, but it's it's going to be some stuff that's that a lot of people are not aware of, of why God told them to do such weird things with their, you know, clothing in the sanctuary and some of the stuff with the incense and the ephod. What is an ephod? We don't wear ephods today. Sounds like a brand name. Ephod? I'm sure I'm sure you could brand that. Come yeah. and wear my ephod. Yeah. There's clothing named Adidas. Why not Ephod? <laughs> there's, there's clothing made Izod. Why not Ephod? Hey, Antonio, would you be able to close this out, man? Well, Lord God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, we come to you and to give thanks and to uh, bless everyone as we depart from this, this discussion. And uh, please keep everybody safe until next time and even then afterwards. And uh, hopefully this little discussion will reach some people as well. May you use it for your purposes. And uh, we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. This is Tom. This has been Antonio. This is Susanna. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We love you. Goodbye. See you next week. Now listen. Just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. There's clothing made Izod. Why not Ephod? <laughs> Nikkei, what kind of engine? Anybody? Anybody? What's that from? Nerds out there, come on. Nikkei, what kind of footwear or what kind of moccasins are you wearing? Anybody? Back to the Future 3? No? Oh, come on. I, I, I do love those movies, just not enough, I guess, to know. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations, you're one of the few. We love you.